A certain man made a great supper and invited many. Words taken from today's Holy Gospel in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. As is no doubt found in many of your missiles, this Sunday has always traditionally been known as Sunday within the octave of Corpus Christi. No sooner do we end Eastertide, concluding the Feast of Pentecost with the Feast of the Holy Trinity, than the Church turns immediately to the first task on her mind, which is to honor our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the Most Blessed Sacrament, something she was able to do only briefly during Holy Week. On Holy Thursday, we spent time with our Lord in adoration, but now, after his victory over death, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, the Church returns to the Cenacle so that we may honor him throughout a full eight days of feasting in imitation of the practice of the ancient Hebrews with triumphant processions and long periods of adoration. It introduces a theme that will last throughout this long time after Pentecost, the theme of the grace that we are given during our passage here below. A theme that runs throughout this time after Pentecost is that we must observe in thought, word, and deed the Ten Commandments of God animated now by the two great commandments given by our Lord that sum them up, love of God and love of neighbor. We will be asked to examine ourselves again and again if the gifts of the Holy Ghost which we received at Pentecost are bearing fruit. We are, every one of us, given sufficient grace for our salvation. Not infinite grace for all our negligence. During penitential seasons, such as Lent, we are sternly reminded of the limited time we have for repentance. Our Savior promises forgiveness to those who repent. He does not promise tomorrow to sinners. He is at the door of our soul a-knocking with the grace of true contrition. Tomorrow may not be there for us, and even if it is, we have no guarantee that we will be sorry tomorrow for the sins we refuse to repent of today. But on this Sunday, we do not hear the language of commandments. We hear of an invitation. A certain man made a great supper and invited many. If one follows the allegory of so many of the parables and considers now those who refuse this invitation in today's gospel and those who are called to replace them, one might suppose that this refusal of the invited guests refers principally to the indifference of the Jews when they were invited to accept the sacraments of the New Testament. Thus all those taken from the streets and lanes, the highways and the hedges, would be the Gentiles called to take the place of the faithless children of the covenant. 
To achieve our interpretation there would be the height of presumption. St. Paul in his time already warned the Gentile converts of Rome from thinking only in this way. Thou wilt say then the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off. But thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. For if God hath not spared the natural branches, fear lest perhaps he also spare not thee. Indeed, all that happened to the first chosen people is recorded as a warning for us. For St. Paul says again to the Corinthians, Know you not that they that run in the race all run indeed, but only one receiveth the prize. Run so that you may obtain it. For I would not have you ignorant that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All in Moses were baptized in the cloud and in the sea, and all did eat the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. They drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. What is your spiritual life? Have you perhaps resigned yourself to making your short life here below nothing more than a sort of spiritual dodgeball, avoiding mortal sin, keeping yourself from any grave and direct violations of the commandments? We must acknowledge that this is no spiritual life at all. It is at best a preamble to the spiritual life. Today we are given the best possible illustration of this truth. For consider what is depicted by this great supper. A certain man made a great supper and invited many. Yes, a certain man, true God and true man, has made a great feast indeed. Our Savior Jesus Christ has called us to his supper, to be baptized into his church, to worship God in spirit and in truth, and to receive the sacraments with fervent devotion. What sort of response has he received? Outright rejection? From some, no doubt. But that is not what we hear of today. The man who has prepared this supper is receiving polite refusals. I have a farm. I have cattle. I have a wife. Please hold me excused. Our good Lord inspired his church to place the eight-day feast of Corpus Christi at precisely this time of year so that we might hear these words and reflect on the invitation we are receiving during this great supper. To be saved, we must pray and receive the sacraments. And concerning the greatest of the sacraments, our Savior has admonished us, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you shall not have life within you. We are baptized only once. What are our obligations toward the Holy Eucharist, 
toward our Lord and Savior truly present among us after our first Holy Communion. In order gently to remind us of this divine invitation, the Church gives us two very mild commandments. We must attend Mass on Sundays and Holy Days. That is, once a week and a handful of other days throughout the year, we must come to church and hold ourselves at least at a respectful, at a level of respectful attention as the sacrifice of Calvary is renewed upon the altar. And then secondly, once a year during Eastertide, we must receive Holy Communion in the state of grace. Yet surely every one of you can think of what you could do beyond these bare requirements. You can make the first Fridays and first Saturdays. You can keep feast days that aren't of obligation in this country, such as Corpus Christi. You can attend solemn novenas, processions, the 40 hours, and other times of extended adoration. You can make a holy hour at church at least once a month or even once a week. You can attend daily Mass whenever possible, committing perhaps to at least one weekday. You are not required to do any of these things. You are invited. If you don't do them, we cannot say that you are sinning. Some of you can't do them, or at least not all of them. Some of you have to drive hours to get here on Sunday. Others have heavy and erratic work schedules or infirm family members to care for. And there are good works to be done outside of these walls. Sometimes we are called to visit the sick or comfort the afflicted, to find Christ in other persons, to maintain a happy and holy family life by a good dinner and a rosary prayed at home. Yet when it comes to these invitations from our Lord, we do well to examine our conscience and ask ourselves, why am I saying to the divine host, please hold me excused? If my reason is a good one, I have nothing to fear. I will treasure the times that I can be with him in his real presence, and then I know with divine faith that I shall find him in the midst of my duties, in my works of mercy, or in my healthy and much-needed recreations with families and with family and friends. To all those activities, I can bring a spirit of prayer, and Jesus will be there in the midst. Because I do all I can to love Christ in this sacrament, religion is not just a part of my life. My life is a part of my religion. Yet I must never cease to remind myself that none of these things, work, study, family time, recreation, even acts of charity, will draw me any closer to heaven unless I first draw strength from the fountains of the Savior and return to that fountain again and again, adoring my Master, thanking my Savior, greeting that friend who is really, truly, and substantially present among us, that prisoner of love, who is this very day at the door of my heart a-knocking,
Today, he is not commanding. He is passing by. Yet I understand why the saints repeated so often the phrase, fear Jesus passing and never returning. Lord, stay with me, for the day of my life is already far spent. I will not spend one more moment of it without you and this most blessed sacrament, which I shall receive and come to adore as often as I can and adore by spiritual communion whenever I cannot. To our Lord Jesus Christ and the blessed sacrament be all honor and glory unto ages of ages. Amen.